Welcome to worship from Jessup First United Methodist Church. I'm so glad that you're joining us. I'm Reverend Rebecca Jute Barton, the pastor, and I'll be reading the first scripture from 2 Corinthians 5, and then my husband Garth will read from Luke 15, the story that's known as the prodigal son. Will you listen as we hear from 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 21? From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view, even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view. We know him no longer in that way. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So we are ambassadors for Christ, since God is making his appeal through us. We entreat you on behalf of, of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Our gospel lesson today comes to us from Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 3 and 11b through 32. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. And now skip on down to verse 11b. There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country, and there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. When he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? But here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father and I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far away, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. And get the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field. And when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. The slave replied, your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he's got him back safe and sound. Then the older son became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him. But he answered his father, listen, for all these years, I've been working like a slave for you and I've never disobeyed your command. Yet you've never given me even a young goat so that I may celebrate with my friends. 
But when the son of yours came back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. Then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Jesus told a story that showed the father's heart. It's in Luke 15, and we often call it the story of the prodigal son, pointing to the idea that the story is primarily about us. But Jesus begins the parable with these words. There was a man who had two sons. Jesus says from the beginning of the story that this is about the father, the man with two sons. Or we might say, this is a story about the relationship between a father and the two sons. The story begins with a broken relationship. The younger son decided to take his inheritance and go out on his own. So he asked his dad to cash in his 401k and take out his retirement savings. Well, it was probably land and livestock, but it's the same idea. Whatever the father had worked hard for and planned on living on in his old age, the son took a third. The older brother stayed home with two thirds. He did what his father asked. He never left the father's house. It's hard for me to say this because I'm a younger sibling, but truth be told, I've always identified more with the older brother. I get where he's coming from. He did everything he was supposed to do. He was faithful. He didn't go to the far country. And who did the younger brother think he was to show up after all this time, after breaking that relationship with the father and leaving behind the brother too? Because of course, the younger brother went off to a far country and spent his inheritance, every penny in his pocket. All that his father had worked for, he wasted it all. I like the King James Version. He squandered it all in riotous living. As long as he had money, he had friends who would help him spend it. He lived a lavish lifestyle. He was extravagant in his wastefulness. That's actually what the word prodigal means. Not someone who wanders off, but someone who is extravagant to the point of being wasteful. We say the prodigal has returned when somebody's been gone a long time but we really should say it when we come home from a big shopping trip. If any of you are watching the Gilded Age series, that's a picture of what it looks like to be prodigal, extravagant, over the top. Think about the older brother now, the one who's stayed home with the father. What did he see when his brother came home? He saw the wasteful spending, the extravagant life, the prodigal son. And he was put out by the things that the brother had wasted money on, the women, the alcohol, the parties. That's where I think like the other, the older brother, I stayed home. I didn't waste. I am not the prodigal. Except when I really look at my own life, I am the prodigal. I have too often wasted what God has given me. I've wasted money on things that I didn't care about two weeks later. I thought it was so important for my kids to have this or that expensive item. I've wasted time on a nonsense TV show, but then I claim that I don't have time for prayer. 
I've wasted energy in being angry over things that I should have just given over to God. I've wasted opportunities to love my neighbor as myself and instead just took care of myself. I think that I'm not the prodigal, but when I really look at my own heart, I am. That's a realization we all need to come to for ourselves. We are the person who took what the Father gave us, the very gift of life itself, and so often we have wasted it. The younger son realized that about himself. He might say he had a prevenient grace moment in his life, calling him home before he even realized he needed to go. He realized when he didn't have any money left and he had to get a job feeding pigs. He'd been living high on the hog and then the hogs were eating better than he was. Tending the pigs was not a point of pride for him. He did not come home with a blue ribbon from Perry. He came home holding his head in shame. If you're reading A Jesus-Shaped Life by Steve Cordell, you're reading this week about how to break cycles of addiction, how to lust-proof your life, and how to keep money and things from being your God. It takes courage to admit you're in the far country and you need to be reconciled. It takes courage to get up from the pigsty and go home. He had practiced his speech. I'm going to tell dad I'm not worthy. I'm going to tell dad I will be his servant. Have you ever had to go home knowing you were in trouble? Think back to high school. Some of us have to think back farther than others for that. Were you ever late for curfew? You might have known your daddy was on the other side, arms crossed. You did not want to walk through that door because you knew what was on the other side. That's the impression so many of us have of God. Like he's on the other side of the door, angry. We know we have to go home, but we know punishment is waiting. Come, repent, take your punishment. But remember, Jesus began the parable by saying that this is a story of a man who had two sons. We've been focused on the sons so far, but it's time to turn our attention back to the father that Jesus described. He wasn't standing at the door with his arms crossed, ready to condemn the son. Instead, he ran out to meet him. He welcomed him back with open arms. He threw a party. As 2 Corinthians puts it, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them. It turns out the father is like the father who meets the child late for curfew and wraps them up in his arms. Oh, we were so worried. We're so glad you're home. James Moore tells the story of a missionary who befriended an artist. The artist came to know Jesus, but he said he, as he learned about the Bible, he wanted to paint the stories. He said, I learn as I paint. Tell me how to paint the Christian story. So the missionary told him the story of the prodigal son and had him paint it. The picture he painted showed the son coming home, head down, tear-stained cheeks, just like you would think of the prodigal son. But the father was at the door of the house with his arms crossed and a sour expression. 
kind of the way that you would think the older brother might have met him at the door. The missionary looked at the painting and he said, well, you got the sun right, but you missed what the father looks like. This isn't what the father looks like at all. So the artist spent some time with the story and tried again. This time the father was running, his robe flapping behind him and a look of joy on his face. And he was wearing two different shoes. Yes, the missionary said, you got it right this time, running to greet him, the joy. But why the mismatched shoes? The artist explained. The father didn't have time to stop and get the shoes right. He saw his son coming and he grabbed the first shoes that he saw and he pulled them on because he wanted to run out to greet him. The artist got the point right this time. This is a father who is extravagant. He's the God of mismatched shoes, James Moore says, a God who comes running. He's the prodigal father. Beloved, this is the God whom we serve. God isn't mad at you. He loves you. In fact, when it comes to love and mercy, God is prodigal. He's extravagant. He's almost wasteful, really, the way he keeps on pouring out mercy and reconciling those who didn't deserve it. If you need forgiveness, God has it in heaps. He's more extravagant than any Gilded Age railroad tycoon. He is the prodigal father. And when we live a Jesus-shaped life, that's what we start to look like. As we read from 2 Corinthians, we are new creations. Everything has become new. And what about the older son? The one who never went to the far country, but somehow felt far away. He was prodigal in his own way. He'd wasted his chance to love and forgive the brother. He wasted a chance to eat the fatted calf and celebrate. But you know what? Remember, this is a story about a man who had two sons and the prodigal father overlooked the jealousy and the self-righteous attitude and showered him with grace too. I have always loved you, the father told him. Everything I have is yours. You see what I mean? God is extravagant in his love and grace. He's the prodigal father, whether you've gone to the far country or stayed home and sulked. The Father is lavishly pouring out love and grace. This Lent, we're thinking about what it means to live a Jesus-shaped life. If you're truly living a Jesus-shaped life, our lives are going to start looking like the Father, overflowing with love and mercy toward others. We'll have hearts that forgive and don't hold grudges. We'll celebrate when someone comes back into the fold and we set aside that self-righteous attitude. This week's chapter in a Jesus-shaped life is the courage of Jesus. And at first I wasn't sure what that was going to be about, but our scriptures for the day helped me see it more clearly. Jesus's work was to reconcile the world to God and it took courage to reconcile the world. It took his death. As verse 21 of 2 Corinthians 
says, For our sake he came to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Listen to that again. This is who Jesus is. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As fourth century church father Athanasius said, he became what we are so that we might become what he is. You see, he took on our sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. And the righteousness of God looks like becoming a new creation in Christ. Jesus has invited us to a whole new life with him. Like the prodigal father, he threw the doors of home wide open and declared a feast to bring us back into the family. But not only that, Jesus entrusted the message of reconciliation with us. When we live a Jesus-shaped life, we become ambassadors for Christ. There's no better advertisement for God reconciling the world to himself than someone who's a new creation in Christ. There's no better ambassador for one who has been a prodigal, whether it's the older brother or the younger brother who, who was sinful and yet becomes the righteousness of God. But understand, when we become the righteousness of God, we become prodigal, not like the son, but like the man who had two sons. We become prodigal like the father. Our arms are open wide, pointing to the one who loves us. We are ambassadors for Christ. Yet being an ambassador takes courage in a world that doesn't even know that it needs to be reconciled to God. We may be imposed upon. We may be ridiculed. Like ambassadors, we have to make the effort, not wait for the world to come to us, but go out and speak for the love and grace of God in the world. We may have to learn another language to be able to speak to those we intended to speak with. We may even encounter those who have the wrong idea about the father, who think he's waiting to pour out wrath, when really what he's waiting for is us to come so he can run out and embrace us. The courage of Jesus is to know that this is our story. The courage to accept the reconciliation for ourselves and to tell the story, to be an ambassador, to shine so brightly with the love of God that people are drawn to Jesus through you. So ambassadors, have the courage to get up from the pigsty and come home. You may have been extravagant in your sin, but God is extravagant in his grace. We have a prodigal father, a father who's over the top with his love and mercy and grace. And that's what the righteousness of God looks like. May you have the courage to go out and share that with the world. Will you pray with me? Lord, I am the prodigal. I am wasteful with what you've given me. I have wandered away. Bring me home to your loving grace. 
Make me like Jesus, like the prodigal father, so full of your love and grace that it overflows to those around me. Grant me the courage to be your ambassador in this world that you so love. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I pray. Amen.